Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 38 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Acts chapter 12 today, and our focus is on guardian angels and what kind of things angels do in this world, according to the Bible. So I want to welcome new listeners in Northern Ireland, United Kingdom, Assam, India, Chicago, Illinois, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Tupelo, Mississippi, and Tampa, Florida. Thank you all for listening. It's so exciting to see and hear from new listeners. I want to point you to our webpage, Bible2021.com, and I want to encourage you, as I do almost every day, share the show with a friend, post about it on social media, invite some people to join with us. Our goal is to get people listening to the Word of God, thinking about the Word of God, and following it. Today, we will engage in one of my slightly obnoxious habits, asking a question of the Bible that is not fully nor finally answered by the Bible. Now, I do this often, as you might know, if you've listened to this podcast for longer than just this year, and I actually find it constructive and helpful to ask such questions, even though I know that we will not ultimately and completely solve the mystery of guardian angels today. Sometimes, honestly, it's satisfying just to ask great and big questions of the Word of God, sift through the evidence, and then come away with a leaning, if not an outright conclusion, because friends, we should be really super careful in concluding on subject matters that the Bible does not give us concrete answers on. Let's consider an example from the book of Acts, for instance. Some Christians adamantly believe that the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues, and There are whole denominations devoted to that viewpoint. And they come to that conclusion not because they've made it up, but from passages like Acts 10, 45, and 46, which says the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and declaring the greatness of God. Well, it certainly seems in that passage as if speaking in tongues is evidence of the presence of the filling and the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? But also consider Acts 9, verse 17 and 18. Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Or how about Acts 13, verse 9? But Saul, also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared straight at Elymas and said, You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery, you son of the devil and enemy of all that is right. Won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? So, just in those three passages, we see three instances of people being filled with the Holy Spirit and three different responses and results of that filling. In one, Paul has scales fall off of his eyes. In another, Saul, Paul, confronts a person behaving wickedly. And in one, the brand new believer starts speaking in tongues. Well, what can we conclude from that? Probably we don't conclude from that that every time a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, they will speak in tongues because it doesn't seem to happen every time in the book of Acts. That's the problem of building our theology and our doctrinal beliefs off of narrative passages of Scripture and implications. We can definitely learn things by observing what happens in the Bible, but we honestly should stop short of making definitive pronouncements 
and doctrine based solely on our observation of events in Scripture. I spend so much time on that point because of our discussion topic today, because here's the thing. There's no Bible passage that unequivocally clearly says that Christians have guardian angels. But we do apparently see that some Christians believed that Christians had personal angels assigned to them in Bible times or something along those lines because of happenings like we encounter in today's reading in which Peter is miraculously freed by an angel. Well, let's read the chapter and consider it. Acts chapter 12, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. About that time, King Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the church, and he executed James, John's brother, with the sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter, too, during the festival of unleavened bread. After the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God. For him. When Herod was about to bring him out for trial, that very night Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, Quick, get up, and the chains fall off his wrists. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. And he did. Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So he went out and followed, and he did not know that what the angel did was really happening, but he thought he was seeing a vision. After they passed the first and second guards, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them by itself. They went outside and passed one street, and suddenly the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. He knocked at the door of the outer gate, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice, and because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. You're out of your mind, they told her. But she kept insisting that it was true, and they said, It's his angel. Peter, however, kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. For Tell these things to James and the brothers, he said, and he left and went to another place. At daylight, there was a great commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had searched and did not find him, he interrogated the guards and ordered their execution. Then Herod went down from Judah to Caesarea and stayed there. Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Together they presented themselves before him. After winning over Blastus, who was in charge of the king's bedroom, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food from the king's country. On an appointed day, dressed in royal robes and seated on the throne, Herod delivered a speech to them. The assembled people began to shout, It's the voice of a god and not of a man. At once an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God spread and multiplied. After they had completed their relief mission, Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem, taking along John, who was called Mark. So did you catch what the church thought in verse 15 about Peter knocking at the door? They told the servant girl, you're out of your mind when Rhoda told them that Peter was at the door, but she kept on insisting that it was him. And then they said, it's 
his angel. They didn't think it was him. They thought it was his angel. What kind of angel? Of course, the word guardian angel isn't used there, but some sort of personal angel assigned to Peter, it sounds like. But here's the thing. I know that doesn't prove anything. Hey, it's interesting though, right? Are there any other verses that could be referring to something like guardian angels? And I can think of a couple. How about Matthew 18, verse 10? Jesus says, see to it that you don't despise one of these little ones, because I tell you that in heaven, their angels continually view the face of my Father in heaven. Now, that's straight from the mouths of Jesus, the mouth of Jesus. What about Hebrews 1.14? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? So, does any of these three verses prove that all Christians have guardian angels? And friends, we got to be clear here. They do not. But they do seem to point towards the possibility of something like a guardian angel. So I can give you a definite maybe (laughs) to our question. Isn't that lovely to be so definitive? But again, I want to reiterate, we should be careful to be definitive in areas where the Bible isn't. It's okay to say maybe. It's okay to say I don't know. We don't know for sure. God knows we don't. And it's okay to say that. It's probably good to say that. Now, that said, I'll give you my opinion. It's worth about what you paid for this podcast, zero. I think I concur with our old friend Charles Spurgeon. It does seem like Christian humans have something like guardian angels. I at least think the scripture is hinting towards that. Here's what Spurgeon says. He's more definitive than I am and you know, smarter than I am too. This is what he says. We have each of us a guardian angel to attend to us. The meaning of the passage, in heaven their angels always behold the face of my father, which is in heaven, Matthew 18, 10, surely is that every Christian has a guardian angel who flies about him and holds the shield of God over his brow, keeps his foot lest he should dash it against a stone, guards him, controls him, manages him, injects thoughts into his mind, restrains his evil desires, and is the minister and servant of the Holy Ghost to keep him from sin and lead him to righteousness. Whether I am right or wrong, I leave you to judge, but perhaps I have more angelology in me, says Spurgeon, than most people have. I know my imagination has sometimes been so powerful that when I've been alone at night, I could almost fancy that I saw an angel fly by me when I have been out preaching the word. However, I take it that the text teaches us that angels have very much to do with God's providence, for it says, And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them, and when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Let us bless God that he has made angels ministering spirits to minister unto them that are heirs of salvation. Well, friends, I'm not going to quite be as definitive as Spurgeon was, although I will tell you I admire the man greatly and he's one of my heroes, but I tend to agree with him by and large. I think humans apparently do have angels somehow, some way assigned to them. Well, let's end the show with our scripture memory verse for February, Acts 9.31, which says, So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened, Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.